Sunday. What does Easter mean to you? Do you have any feelings for Easter anymore? Is it so mundane and overdone? I have a conversation this week with Savannah Stoltz and my wife Vivian Melendez de Chapel. Two of my favorite women in the whole world. And we process a question that I was kind of chewing on this week after I heard the news of a an old friend passing away, pondering the meaning of life. What is it we're doing here? Is it is there any rhyme or reason to this? Some people say no. Some people say it's up to you to discover what it is you're doing here. And I guess we're all forced to do that. We are all driving in this life in the vehicles that are our, our bodies. And so we reduce sometimes to the self. Fortunately, we're not alone. Many people have gone before us and have thought about these things as well. And, you know, we have, you know, now gone and done this on this podcast here several times. This question of the meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? And I encourage you to ask that self, that question for yourself this morning. Because it is a large question and I am concerned with how we come up with those, these answers sometimes. I think what it comes down to for me, the most important part of this discussion and that we'll get to a little bit in this and and that I wish we'd gotten to faster maybe but life is hard and dark and difficult and there is death all around us and we feel empty and lost but what is our answer what is our answer to the suffering we have to come up with one I think I think we need one And at least we should be trying to come up with one because I think there are people that are hungry and thirsty and starving for an answer to their suffering. And this podcast and many more and all of us around the world setting our intentions and desiring good things for each other and seeking to quench our thirst with a a new enlightened kind of refreshment a refreshing love if you believe in god i i think i do i am calling for a refreshing love to be sent my neighborhoods need it my friends need it so stay tuned thanks for being here and take heart we have an answer for suffering welcome to the mystic apes podcast Hello, Savannah, Vivian. Thank you for joining me in the sanctum of sweets, the layer of large ideas, the emporium of interest and intrigue, the Mall of America. Emporium starts with an E. It's just like phonic. Does it? I'm I'm, f- I'm using more of the yeah, phonetic. So it does start with an E. Very good. Just kind of yeah, just like the f- phonetics of it all. Thank Today you for having we're us. About grammar. <laughs> Tonight we're talking grammar. <laughs> Buckle in. Real exciting hour. No, I I feel like I was rattling around. I was thinking we could talk like because you're about to leave town, so we should we should, you know. Boo. And I know you. I know you. <laughs> my wife Vivian. I was thinking about just ask. I had a question. That was on my mind that I think would start us down a long trail of thought. Okay. So we haven't had Mystic Apes episode in a while. You've been on a handful. And which is not that's not a dig. You've been on a handful. It's good. You're a reoccurring <laughs> I didn't guest. Take it. It just it was a neutral. I, I like, got nervous yeah. instantly. I was like, she's oh, reading well, you into it. Uh, oh yeah, Oxford or baby is here because we're you parents. Any weird little like sounds, it's Vivian, but Oxford's <laughs> also here. <laughs> yeah. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Oxford is here, and um, he will not be talking because he is three months old tomorrow. Um, but uh, the question is, so in the sake of the Mystic Apes 
conscious thought process, thinking all the weird ideas. Um, what do humans? What are humans? Do you think humans have a purpose? Do you personally think no. humans have a purpose? I don't think that. Okay, well, that was it, guys. Have a purpose. Super fun to talk. Uh, <laughs> we have no purpose, so yeah, let's end this. Week, <laughs> <meaningless>. <laughs> Eat Arby's. <laughs> oh my gosh, what's Arby's like? We got the meats. <laughs> no, there's a Twitter account called Nihilist Arby's, and it's just like uh, life is a meaningless void. Eat Arby's. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> <That's> so funny. <laughs> um, that would make me want to eat Arby's if that was their slogan. Even though, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like some people, like, go through their lives, like, searching for, like, what is the meaning of life? Like, what is the purpose of this? Like, why am I here? And I um, think that some people would, a lot of people would disagree with this, but I take comfort in, like, oh, my God, sorry, the baby. Oxford's purpose is to fill his pants with as much poop <laughs> Oxford's as possible. purpose is to poop and poop I really and hope toot. that got caught in the mic. Um, I hope so, too. We'll, we'll have to find out later. Yeah. I take comfort in, the like, just thinking that, you know, none of this really has a meaning. There's no meaning to life and we don't really have a purpose. And like, I think meaning of life is subjective and it's like different to each person, like every individual, like for me, like what gives my life meaning is my relationships with others. Um, like my relationship with you guys, my family, um, my partner, and um, even just like work relationships, just being around other people and um, I I don't really think that there has to be like some grandiose like big like purpose behind everything. And if there is, then I don't think I care. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Do you, so like it's funny that Oxfordville is pants full of poop. Like, do you? That's meaningful. Like, is there like do you do you have a sense like there's like some sort of rhyme or reason to 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 the happenings of your life? Do you does it ever feel like a narrative? Does it ever feel like a story um, that's unfolding, or does it just feel like it's like it's just randomly happening to you? Yeah, I think that like two people in the '90s um, saw a cute baby and then went home and were like, "We should make that." And then here I am, and um, I don't know. Like I think that there are a lot of things that happen in my life that are out of my control. But I am the type of person that I don't like to let life just happen to me. Like I like to make life happen. So a lot of the decisions I make are very purposeful. And like, that's why I'm like leaving San Antonio is because I feel like my life would have, I guess, more meaning in Colorado. Cause I'd, you know, be with my, my partner Garrett and, um, like in a, in an environment where I feel like I would thrive more um, and I guess it does feel like a story is unfolding mm -hmm. as I'm writing it, but there are a ton of other writers to my story. Like y'all are also parts of my story that, you know, like y'all decided to have a baby and that affected my life both directly and indirectly. And that's completely out of my control. But like now he's a part of my story, you know? Yeah. He's, he's sitting in here and making well, speaking, poops. Speaking of Oxford and stories, do you, how... How would you answer? Do you feel like life has a purpose? Have you ever thought about that? Do you feel like, or like, oh, I'll revise it slightly if you don't have an answer for that immediately. Do human, like, so like, Mystic Apes is like, we're apes. We are, that's what we are. We are monkeys, but like really weird, hairless in some areas, um, hairier in others. <laughs> <laughs> you'll learn about that someday, yeah, Oxford. Someday true. you'll get hair in weird places oh and feel God. funny about girls. <laughs> no, but, uh, Girl but boys. like, or boys, yeah, some, you'll feel funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to start feeling weird. No, but I think like it's kind of a, sort of a human's perspective, but we can inject a spiritual nature to it. Mm -hmm. um, if, the, if that's on anyone's, I mean, we, we probably will get there. But I think like, do you feel like your life, the purpose of your life is Oxford at all? Like, do you, you feel like that's what we're doing here as humans to make little babies? Like try and try again? Like, well, I mean, what's the purpose of us? I... As a human. <laughs> speaking uh, as a human. Speaking as a human Excellent. myself. Uh, a cape, I huh? have to believe there is something more to life because if this was it, I would be really, really sad. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've like lived through some really like rough goes and I don't know. I kind of feel like, <laughs> I kind of feel like life really sucks. Like I feel like this might be the in-between because <laughs> this sucks. Like I feel like, 
there's so much bad and also good we experience as humans that I have to believe there's something else. What sucks? What sucks the hardest? What's the hardest sucking thing? Oh my god. I mean, so many things. Like uh it's sad that people are born with dise- diseases and die in like their first 5 years. It's sad that people are born with diseases and die when they're like 95 in pain. You know, I think it's sad that people live in poverty. I think it's sad that some people will never know what it's like to be truly loved by anybody else. I think there's so much sad, like real true sadness that I've seen mm. that I just really have to like, you know, dive deep when I like see the happy parts because like a lot of it could be really dark. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, do you think the darkness is only as dark as the light is light? I mean, like, are the happy things en- enough? At the, well, like. <laughs> Me as a human again. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, when will you speak? Are you going to speak as something else or later? Yeah. As me a as gargoyle. <laughs> if I was a as bird. a lizard. Uh, <laughs> I would say the sun is dope. And that's all I care about. Just sitting in the sun. Dude, we someday. should do like several animals. What, yeah. would, what would other animals say their purpose is? Wow. Um, what would other animals say their purpose? What, is as it cow's purpose cat, to eat? It's, it's to lay in any part of the house where sun is coming in through the window uh-huh. and just any amount of sunlight. That's the meaning of my life. Also cuddles and anything that smells like fish. What would an alligator say? What, what would an alligator say? It's purpose. Ah! <laughs> Wait, what? what? I, I didn't know alligators were such a neurotic species, <laughs> such a, a volatile, emotional. That's what an alligator um, would say. Have you ever met one? It's, I, feel like, I met feel like they're more like. Mm, I'm on my what would a hippo do? What would a hippo say? Like, get out my swamp. Mine oh. is uh, a hippo would be to crush watermelon in their jaw for, for TikToks. What? Yeah, yeah. Hippo, hi- hippos are like. Finally, we're not just murder. Are we going to have a HIPAA violation talking about hippos? Kid, no, you can talk about hippos and HIPAA violations. It's not a HIPAA violation. Uh, no, uh, hippos are like the most dangerous land animal. Yeah. Like, they murder the most people per year. Wait, yeah. really? Yeah. So I bet the branding on TikTok, they're like, this is really good for us. Finally, we can be different, you know? What would a deer say? What would a deer's life be about? Um, what's, a deer's, what's the purpose of a deer's life? Get shot. <laughs> <laughs> but is that a purpose though? Is that its I hope purpose? My meat tastes good. Oh my god! <laughs> Funny. Uh, this deer. This deer. You're I think at? I've entered the dark spaces in my mind. Are you speaking as something else? The now? inner mechanicians of my, my mind, mind are an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> is uh. mayonnaise an instrument? <laughs> <laughs> What's the purpose of mayonnaise? Is I like where this is going. <laughs> it's just become unhinged. But um, well, no, it's no, this is good because I think it's I, absurd, but it's silly. But I think it brings us to some good points. Continue your yeah, thought. I was but. just gonna say, like, I agree with you. Like, there is a lot of sad. Um, like, as you know, a nurse in the hospital, like, all I see is sad. Like, really shockingly sad stuff. Yeah. It makes me feel really grateful and blessed for my own health. Um, and I do say that, like. This might be really, really cynical, but I would say like the darkest darks are darker than the lightest lights, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, I can think of a lot of like really horrible things that happen to people every day. Um, and, you know, I feel like, you know, beautiful miracles like having a little poopy baby like Oxford is, you know, that doesn't happen to like every single person you know, you know, mm-hmm. like. I have friends that I know that have struggled to get pregnant and that's really hard for them. And I don't know. I just feel like life is filled with a lot of like really, really unhappy times and you just have to kind of control what your baseline is, I think. So like finding happiness in like really just small, simple moments. Um, Like, you know, today I woke up and my AC was on. So I'm happy. Yeah. You know, totally. stuff like that. Because if you're just constantly striving yeah. and reaching for things um, that are like, you know, the highest high like ever, you know, like being on the beach and flying a kite with all like all of your best friends and then you get proposed to and find out you're pregnant with twins after trying for <laughs> two years and then someone hands you a thousand dollars like, you know, that's not going to happen to you often. Mm. You know, most of the time you're going to get up, you're going to make breakfast if you can. Yeah. Go to yeah. work, yeah. spend a whole day making not enough money, 
and then come home and have to cook and clean and take care of yourself and then go to bed. You know, that's Mm. what most days are. So finding happiness and like, oh, I found this really cool song today on my way to work and I'm going to jam to it while I'm at the gym or something like that, you know? Yeah. What, being that there's no, you got a little, uh, I think, uh, a little blowout? A little bit. I'm pretty sure my thumb smells like poop. Vivian. Let's take a five. Let's take five. <laughs> Vivian. Poop thumb. Oxford, more like. Oxford, stop pooping on your mom. You are where you are. You never are where you weren't. Um, Is that a bowling quote? <laughs> <laughs> Saw it on an hour later, a few years ago. You are where you are. You never are where you are. I think it's a yoga quote. It's kind of like you think you'd say in yoga, like when you're trying to stretch to your toes and you can't are make you it. A yoga and like, instructor. Uh, I've had some experience um, in a classroom setting and um, instructing and encouraging others in their practice. Yeah. Um, Love that. He's just talking. He goes, he's okay. Hey, buddy. Um, Oxford, trying to chime in. Um, meaninglessness. So, sadness seems to be the largest determining factor in y'all's diagnosis of the meaninglessness of life, or maybe like the seemingly vapidness of life, or like the lack of. Because we're talking, we were talking about darkness, and so I'm just kind of you know we're segueing in. I may not be saying everything perfectly, but is does sadness define so, uh, my question is is if there's so much darkness and if there's more darkness than there is bright it's hard to even say what brightness is. like i'm having like a trouble distinguishing because if everything was well, black I think and it's white subjective like i think it's sure. based on different people like to me i don't plan on having kids like i don't want children so no. like my idea of like a perfect future like doesn't include a baby but other people's, that's like their whole life is their baby. And which I think, I mean, it probably should be. If you have a baby, you should like love them more than anything in the whole world. So like, I think that like lightness is subjective. And, and I think like we can all agree like on, you know, what is good versus evil for the most part. Um, I would hope so. But I don't know, like I wouldn't define like the meaning of life based on like how sad or happy my life is. And I don't necessarily think that happiness is the absence of sadness. Like I think that things can be both. Um, like for instance, me moving, that's both like really wonderful. And I'm really excited to move to Colorado and be with Garrett. Like I've missed him for, you know, so like the whole time we've been dating, we've been long distance and I'm really ready for that to be over. Yeah. But I'm also heartbreak broken about leaving my friends and my family in San Antonio. So I think, that I mean, you can have like a bit of yin with the yang, I guess. Yeah, I I think, I think yeah, it's got to be true. I think that most things are complicated. You know, they're not like one thing. Maybe you okay? Yeah, I was wondering where the bottle was. Oh, you want some more wine? Yes. Mm-hmm. Pass it over. Hey, we're not professionals. <laughs> we're drinking wine. We drinking wine. Wine up. What did wine. I say before we started? I don't remember. Um, no we're idea. We're talking about the yin and the yang of life. That was just a second ago. Oh, I thought she it was said before. Um, Sorry, no, she said baby. before. No, you're good, dude. Uh, it was funny. Um, no, I think. Yeah, I just I wonder about you know how sad we ought to be about like, and in, into the way we process our world now, right? Um, I think. Uh, in fact, not your wine glass. The wine. Okay. <laughs> Why would I want your wine glass <laughs> that you just poured? Well, I thought you were telling me to take it off of this because you didn't want oh, like, no, water on that. it. I don't care. About that. That's actually not a bad idea, but I didn't. Was yeah, not. Yeah, I was gonna move it. Um, Sorry. Um, book it. So, um, back to lions and tigers and and bears on my and, and deers in the savanna. Are there lives? Do like we talk about subjectivity and stuff? Like, are their lives worse than ours? Are there like are they better off for not like having? To consider, are, are they, you know, they're, are they don't, don't even have time. You think deers, like if they weren't hunted by lions, they would like invent Twitter. Like, you know, like eventually, <laughs> you know, or like. I, have to, I don't see a deer inventing. Um, I don't know. Like I, I still like think of us as like animals and we share this planet with other animals. 
And um, so I don't think, like, I don't really think that other animals' lives are, like, meaningful or have meaning. Like, right. Like, I, I mean, obviously... It, I subjectively? Because yeah, you were saying, like, say, subjectively, everyone has some version of meaning that they extrapolate yeah, for themselves. I, mean, like, I think that animals... I guess, like, deserve to be happy. I mean, obviously, I love and care for animals. I'm yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. We're not, like, I'm not trying to, like, get you, like, on a, what do you think about animals? <laughs> it's more like, like, if, like, what are we? Are we vegan, by the way. Yeah. We ate a vegan meal tonight. Vegan hot good. soy dogs. And, like. Soy dog. Soy dog. Um, my new podcast, Soy Dog. Um, no, I, I think, I don't know. I'm just exploring this idea of sadness and meaning and, and where it is, so like we find subjective meaning, but if life is so kind of distraught, chaotic, sad, I'm, I'm not even, and it's subjective. So you're just whatever you as an individual come up with. So much of like meaning in the world, I think, throughout history has been developed through like the community, you know, the communal yeah. idea and the communal meaning, or like if not that, then like the evolution, you know, of a species or like a nation, you know, or like a some sort of like larger idea to shoot for. And so if we're all doing it individually, you know, are we missing out on another, another kind of, of truth? All of is objective. Um, but I, I mean, I think like, you know, losing a loved one, that's objectively sad. But, is, a, but also is all your happiness, all your happiness, is it totally rooted in you? Like, like you said, you were talking about like other people were writing into your story and everything yeah. and like kind of recognizing and being grateful for things and uh, like that. And, my my question is like how with every if there's like this element of darkness element of meaninglessness this element of subjectiveness that i'm not necessarily arguing with i'm i'm having a hard like i feel like in this time in history it's very difficult to be your own subjective like healer you know like your own like truth finder i, I don't know yeah. if like can we trust our into why has it been different for all of time like why is it What's changed? Like, why, you know, is it, is it all good? You know, that kind of, those kind of, where are we finding meaning? Cause I think like it is super subjective. We're all like finding our own truth and all that and stuff. And like, that's common, common speech. But what does that mean? I don't know what that means. I, I, sometimes I don't know what that means. Um, like, you know, like, it's like, like I get it, but like in the context of like what we are as humans, yeah. as the, as apes, you know what is this? What is this, like? What does it mean to find your own? Like you know what would so, you? What would like, that, like the aliens like? Maybe it just depends on like what you think meaning is. Like what do you think? What do you think is like our purpose or like the meaning of us being here? Because I think you can have a meaningful life, but I don't think that there's a purpose that for humans to exist. I don't think we serve a purpose in the grand scheme of like. I mean, like if you take a step back and look at the whole universe, like. I don't think that it matters that we're here or not. I yeah. don't think it like, I don't think if all of a sudden the human race ceased to exist, it's like the rest of the universe would collapse. It would just go on continuing like it always has, or maybe yeah. not always has. Um, right. Well, yeah, I think it's like, it seems in a podcast I did with, that I'm going to put out probably before this one. Cause I have I'm almost done with it. Uh, and I should have already put. I recorded the conversation like a month ago with these two poets, Patrick and Chase Tomerlin. Or Patrick's name is Ferris. Um, and we we're talking about contrast and how a diamond ring is in a black box because it's contrasty. It makes yeah. the diamond really bright. Yeah. And this idea that like life has found a way to like that 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 old, like life finds a way. You know, like that mm -hmm. whole like saying or idea i think that i i am like really like i'm moved that life exists and that it's existed in so many weird ways on this one little rock i imagine there's life other places i don't know if it's intelligent but it it seems like i don't know it I, th I think I'm someone that sort of romanticizes things, right? Yeah. So when I see a bird dancing with other birds and like mm -hmm. doing a routine to convince the uh, the female yeah. bird to date, I don't know. It's something about that. It's just like there's a rhythm to that. That mm -hmm. like there are these intricate dances all across all religions for all sorts of reasons. And so it's like it sort of seems to be like this. It's odd that dance and music, yeah, that's you know a these really like good point. these like things that we see as we've defined as beautiful. Now we all find some other version of beauty, but beauty is beauty. You know, like yeah. there is, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's like what, so that's actually know. a yeah. really interesting point. Cause I remember one time I was talking to my dad about this. Um, I think we had just seen the movie arrival 
And mm. I was like, how do you think, like, if we encountered, like, other human, or not human, excuse me, um, like, intelligent life, how would we communicate with them? Because, like, you know, gestures and facial expressions could mean something completely different. Um, and so could any sort of language or imagery. Um, yeah. And so my dad said that he, we would communicate with through music, through, like, um, because they did that in what is it, Close Encounters? Yeah, Close Encounters. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah, <laughs> that is like it's true though. I feel like there's something that connects all of humans across the globe, and it's like it's music, and like you know yeah. when we hear a major chord, we can all agree. It feels a little happier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The minor chord. It's a little it's, sad. Yes, yeah, it absolutely. Changes the tone of a song completely. Yeah. And so I think that that's how we would communicate with other intelligent life. Um, but yeah, it's like, how do you know what you don't know? You know, how do you, it's, you know, Lawrence Krauss, you know, when confronted with like arguments about like a fine tuned universe for God. And and I'm, I think I'm, I'm a believer. I think I'm an existentialist Christian. Like I believe, uh, but I'm also like sort of a mystic is how I've often described myself a lot, but that has a lot to do with like experience and uh, us being here as, excuse me, the wine is give me a little burpees. (laughs) Um, it's not the soy dogs. It's not the soy dogs. No, the soy dogs What's were soy not. Dog? What's soy dog? What's soy dog? Uh, no, the what was I saying? Um, I'm a king of this. Oh, maybe phone's going off. Oh wait, I remember. Sorry, I need to go back and remember. Uh, but yeah, like I think that a lot of it's interesting. Like the experience of the human is one of a conscious animal existing in an environment tethered by those around them in the environment that they are in. They're in a relationship with the their existence, and their existence is in a relationship with them, tethered to each other. Um, and I think, and that would be sort of that, like that sort of substrate, that tension between all things is sort of what I believe is like the fabric of God, like the, the fabric of God in a way. You know, that is the, that is the, it's like, it's like if you took all the measurements for everything and then graphed it or whatever, you know, you'd have like the starting point for the ability to begin to see, you know, what's true in this world. Cause like we can like, so let's take like, we took, we took every measurable thing. So you took everything from music to architecture to um, medicine, like even say like medicine, all those things. If you, if you graphed all that, if you found a way to like visually represent it all, like in a, um, like a, some, some, sort of, some sort of workable graph, like a, some, an equation. like an equation of some sort, like you would begin to, and this is what some people call like the theory of everything. And I'm thinking more like, even like culturally, you know, if we, if we did the, this kind of like, I think that we discover, um, sort of like this unknown nature of the, like we run into things that we can't explain. We run into things that we don't really know what to do with. Yeah. And so we, do away with them or we like figure out some way to like, or just accept it. We just accept it. And I think that, I think one way Nietzsche said was like, religion is like a tool for carrying the large rock that is like our existential dread. Right. Like if, if like to build the pyramids, they had to, you know, make invent like tools to roll things on. This is just like a, a different, a different stone they had to carry. Um, I think that it's interesting that we, as a species is like just from like a, a secular standpoint, like materialistic or whatever, that the human species sort of emerged in the face of everything, you know, with this like huge infrastructure of a brain. So we have to come up with all these things to justify it, but it still seems to be in rhythm with all of those other things. And so it's to me, like whatever life is, it seems to be moving in a certain direction and it seems to gravitate, 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 gravitate and be attracted to like certain things. And I think yeah, like we believe, like you believe like in rights in all these things, mm-hmm. right? Like those, but that's subjectively someone might not believe that. And if it's subjective, then it doesn't matter Yeah, in the grand scheme of things. If Hitler won, then Hitler won and everyone would be convinced or they would kill whoever didn't and everyone would be evil. You know, like it would just be like, that would be the world like that, you know, like hypothetically, you know, that's yeah. like an absurd example. But like if Hitler won, and there was no one else to disagree with him. He killed, let's say, or not just Hitler. That's a charge, right? A new guy comes around and they kill everyone that disagree with him. The right team. 
Yeah. Um, and there's no one to disagree. Everyone agrees. What you know, like is that is he is that right? Like is he now right because no one's around to disagree? Like you know is he? Yeah. Is, is, is that maybe it's not helpful, man? It's dumb. You know, maybe it's stupid to think about that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. It sounds like a a Christian talking point or something. Yeah, I don't know. I feel <laughs> like um, it's almost like the a world like that you just described would never exist. Um, like if someone killed everyone that disagreed, then there there's got to be some way. Like humans will always separate each other. Based it, on anything, yeah, and um, it doesn't matter if you made every single person look exactly the same. Like hu- no matter what, humans are you. You try to like level the playing field and like make everyone equal and everyone is the same. Human beings will still find a way to segregate and congregate and differentiate between one another and judge certain groups for doing this certain thing or looking this certain way or smelling a certain way. Why do we expect more? Hmm? Why do, why it's like we have this expectation for more, like it, it shouldn't be that way, but like, I just we, think that's our we, nature. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think maybe I agree. I think I agree, but it's interesting that we expect, we sort of like have this, like we're disappointed in humans for doing that or that it's humans fault. Like, is it, is it, is it humans doing it or you said nature I think like it's just is it like our, the, us as animals that's like what we're inclined to do or how we operate. Um, you're right. I mean, like if you look at ants, like some ants look totally different than other ants within the same colony because they serve different purposes uh. and like they have different jobs. So like, you know, the ants that go and get food might be small and then there's some ants that like only work on building the nest and they're bigger and whatever and like that they operate that way and they're not like mean or evil i guess to each other but they do like live i guess different lives and i feel like you know some people should work certain jobs and some people shouldn't work other jobs or whatever but i I think think you bring up a great look down on them for I i think you bring up a good point in that the difference between the biggest i think a large difference that's misplaced by by us and what what's the difference between a human and an animal or like generally speaking is humans are incredibly plastic i you could become if tomorrow if you wanted to you can quit your job and become you can just go to school again and get it like a saxophone saxophone degree and you could start playing saxophone if you wanted to it would just take time it was just a matter of if you wanted to, but you could do it. Your yeah. brain is smart enough to do that. If you mm-hmm. wanted to do that, you could do that. A bumblebee cannot just decide to be another kind of bumblebee. Yeah. Uh, an ant, like you're describing, can't decide to become one of those other kinds of ants. Mm-hmm. It is that. And I think that that is interesting. And, yeah. and I think that is fascinating about humans is our ability to be so um, anything. Yeah. Every 10 years, people change their lives, you know? And, um, like every six months, I'm a different person. You know, like I mean, mm-hmm. hyperbolic, but but yeah, it's just it's a that's kind of a, t- a tangent from the existential conversation. But um, I wonder, like, um, you know, those movies where you know there's like eugenics involved, or like you know, have you ever seen the movie Gattaca? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or, we watched um, it like in our biology class freshman year. Yeah, or like a, um, I don't know, a situation where at birth everyone's assigned like a job and like that's what they're gonna be, and it's based on like what you're genetically inclined to right, do or genetically right. predisposed. Like, say both of your parents are like incredible musicians or artists, and like that's what you're gonna do, or both of your parents are really athletic, so you're gonna do this, or you're really intelligent, so whatever, and so instead of going to school and like learning all the stuff that we learn in grade school, you're just trained for that role from the very beginning. And so like yeah. being a, a, in nursing school, it's crazy because like there are like in Texas or not even just Texas, but in America, we have to do like our core curriculum, which is like writing and reading and American history and all this other stuff. And then you go to nursing school and I don't use, I mean, I, I have to learn how to write Right. But I'm not using Texas history when I'm, you know, administering an IV drug to a patient, you know. Right. But in other countries in Europe um, and in like Mexico, they don't 
you just go straight into whatever program you're doing and you only learn about that in college and it saves mm. money and it saves time and it produces these people that work in this role a lot quicker. So mm. instead of me, like I could have been a nurse, you know, two years ago if I didn't have to take some of those courses. So mm. I wonder like if there's a way we can like be better at that and like preparing people and setting people up for success from like a younger age versus making them pay for college because I mean at this point it's like if you don't have a degree you're not going to make an, a, like enough money to live unless you're doing like really intense labor yeah I, well that's an interesting point I think I think regardless it's you know it's the wage it's a wager it's do you want to like you've always had to pay you, you, you earlier made the joke that you want to talk about indentured servitude yeah and I think that a couple like the misnomer is that we you used to not have to pay like the misnomer is that like it should be free or whatever and I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure like maybe it shouldn't or we couldn't figure that out but there's no such thing as a free lunch no free lunch right well like think about like travel 200 years ago let's say you wanted to move to california your family would die like maybe dysentery dysentery Cholera. tommy yeah exactly you're going to die tommy fell in a well tommy fell in a snake bites you know all these yeah. things if you wanted to like relocate your family, then it was death. Now it costs money. Like it's yeah. like, and that sucks that it costs money, and it sucks that it's restrictive and difficult, and you become in debt. And we have these alternatives to death. So I think it's the, the Squid Games is so apt, and it's like, though, like hot takes. Squid Games is really good because people will do anything for money, <laughs> but people will do anything to keep living. Yeah, people. You need money. Even if your life is awful. Mm -hmm. Well, you need, well, money is a proxy. Money is a proxy for value. Mm -hmm. And people want to be valuable. People want to be valued and they want to survive. Like, and so, like, like people will do anything to continue living. And I think that, well, A, that's scary. B, that's what's so scary about space. what's so good. What's so good about life? That's so bad about life that makes us struggle and difficult. Blah 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 blah. But yet we continue and, yeah. and you know, like this is it odd. It's it's, it's the contrast, right? We're talking about yeah, yeah, too. Like I'll see, and we want like our family members to keep living, even if it's yeah. like, even if it's bad for them. Like I see patients in the hospital. It's like eighty-eight year old sweet grandma who has COPD and emphysema. Like she can't breathe. Mm-hmm. and she's intubated mm-hmm. and th- like having that is miserable alone and when you're intubated you have to be sedated otherwise old people like that will just pull everything out and that could kill them yeah. so they're sedated and a lot of the times when patients are sedated and intubated they're also um, res- restricted so they're tied to the bed and it, it's in a safe way like it's padded and it's like a loose knot you can fit two fingers between the thing it's Really, there's a certain knot you tie where you can easily undo it. But still, that sucks. And then you have their daughter there who is like, no, my mom, like, she's full code, meaning I want you to do any measures, any and all measures, CPR, intubation, any sort of, like, levofed drugs that, like, are really intense to save her. And at 88 years, it's time to let them go. And I don't yeah. understand why people are so adamant about keeping their family members alive when they are clearly, like, their quality of life is, it's non-existent. It's non-existent, yeah. That is, my grand, I'll give my grandpa and my grandma credit. When my grandpa got a, had a stroke in November, or October, in October, I guess she talked to him and had talked to him prior to this and and before, uh, prior, prior to, the, to the stroke and kind of like, these last moments of uh, clarity, uh, you know, if you could call it that, she asked if she wanted him to do any procedures, and he's like, "No, I just this is probably it." You know, like they yeah. basically like, "I don't want to try to like ride this out." Like, and so he was dead in the next like, twenty four hours. That's and, like, you know, and, such a blessing. Honestly. Yeah, you know, and that was kind of what we were saying. It was like, you know, he at least he didn't struggle. He just kind of one day he, yeah. I mean, he probably walked three miles that week. You know, already. You know, it was like a it was like a Thursday. You know, walked a mile and a half, a couple of miles a day. You know. Um, he's working on stuff. He was pretty spry and agile, and he just had a stroke and died. You know, That's so like the best way to go, honestly. Yeah, people spend the last five years of their lives in hospitals or in SNFs, which is like a skilled nurse facility, which mm-hmm. is just a nursing home, basically. Yeah, and that's not a way to live. So if anyone, but I think they were comfortable with death. I think is you what, yeah should sign a living will that clearly states. It doesn't matter your age. I'm not joking. 
you need to let the people in your life, like next of kin and loved ones, know exactly what your wishes are. Yeah. Otherwise, um, like they're not going to know what to do. Like if I, you know, I think over the, over the age of fifty, I'm going to sign a DNR because. You know, like I've seen CPR in the hospital. I've seen them intubate a patient. It is not something that. See, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I, I would. I want to ride if out. I have a stroke. I I don't want to live the rest of my life like not being able to communicate or like not seeing or using one side of my body, or if you know. If I'm too curious to see what happens. I'm just so curious. I wouldn't even care if I couldn't do anything. I would just want to watch TV the rest of my life. Oh, I'm so, really? I'm just so curious. I'm just so cu- I want to know what I, I I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, excited is the wrong word. I'm very like beyond curious. I'm I'm obsessed with what's going to happen. Is I wanna, this your verbal will? It's my verbal will. If I die like later, if I go like into a coma, <laughs> but I can still open my eyes, just let me, put me in front of a TV, wash my hair, keep me cute, start a charity or something, you know, raise a bunch of money. And then when they figure out how to like get me back to life, it'd be good, you know? It's like you know that episode of Black Mirror, the San San Japiro or Junipero or whatever. It's I'm like they, not gonna remember. You've never seen that episode where they store maybe all I of do, their, but I like brains or whatever on the computer, and it's like this young like women, they're running around in their minds basically. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Lives. Those yeah, they're like about to die. Yeah, and they're old, and they're they keep old, they're uploading they're their consciousness. Like <gasps> oh yes, yes. Yeah, and That's then they wild. like fall in love. I would do that for sure. And then because yeah. you can turn it off whenever you want. Yeah. But it's yeah. crazy because in that episode, there's all those people end up at that right. like shack. The sex doing, dungeon. Doing no, no up to no good. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, well, did you sell the good place? Did you see the good place? No. Well, the good place. So can I spoil it? Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Well, so what's interesting about that episode is like that they still choose to like they still choose to die. Like they like, or like yeah. they choose to go there, but I think there's like, you can like back out, right? You can like mm-hmm. still, you still have a way out of the afterlife right. forever, right? You have this right. like forever afterlife. Well, the good place, they, basically they're not really in the good place and they find a way to get people into the good place, the real one. Um, and then they get to the good place. They kind of like get bored and right. yeah. they kind of get tired and like, of like being like having nothing to do and, and they are partied out and they have all their wish desires filled and they live a long time. And then they're like, I think I'm ready. Yeah. I think I'm ready to go. What do you mean? Well, I I just think I'm, is there something after? Like it was, it was really fascinating. And like Vivian and I thought a lot about it and like, that's why I hope to whatever that after the afterlife does not exist. I don't believe in an afterlife and I hope that I'm right because I do not, I cannot imagine a scenario in where heaven is sounds good because if like some people go and some people don't and I get there and I'm like, where are my parents? And they're like, oh, well, they they didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. Then I have to live in eternity knowing my parents are suffering. Yeah. And then and another argument to that. What if then we're not aware that they're. Right. Even what if I'm like, okay, so it's better to not know where they are. Then I just, I forget them because that sounds like hell. Yeah. I can't imagine a scenario and where any sort of like positive afterlife situation is good because it all sounds horrible well, to me. I, I think would just be nothingness. Th- just I'm gone. I'm become part of the earth. Well, I mean, you're familiar with like the Eastern traditions of Nirvana and things like that. I don't think it's all, I don't think, I think hell may be invented by man, you know, to scare kids and to convince people to. It worked. I think it works really well. But I also, I think, you know, the way myths work often and the way images work and icons work is they're tools and instruments to communicate like um, evils and stuff. And I think ancient minds. Well, I think I think it didn't come around until after the Bible was even written. The the, the image of the devil, you know, because like Job yeah. and in Job, the the devil, like the you know, like the devil's talking to God, and they convince him to like, let's take everything away from Job, right? They kill all his family, and they take his land, or whatever. It becomes like this, like he's like this poor dude, or whatever. And like basically, God makes a deal with the devil that he won't forsake God, and they don't call him the devil; they call him like the adversary. Which is like a legal term in, in in the translation. So it's really fascinating. So that's like the first mention of like the devil. And then you have like the snake in the garden, sort of this yeah. ins- sort of this 
instigator, this bender of... It's a symbol of... It's sort of a symbol of like a history mover. And and my... Because, you know, the definition of of Lucifer is light light bringer, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's like this... There's this element to... You were talking about the bittersweet nature of your moving to... Um, Colorado. to Colorado, Colorado? Um, is that where I'm moving? Just joking. Uh, with Gerge, 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 that's the made up name. Gart, Gart, with one T. Gage, Goob, uh, Goobert, um, no, uh, Garot, uh, no, it's like that element of bittersweetness, that, that tension between the good thing and the bad thing, yeah. kind of like wrapped up in one. I think that. Cl- I think that characters like Christ when they talk about like dying and living and that to, to live is Christ or like that's in the new Testament, but these kind of concepts and the way I find the Christ narrative very appealing, um, is sort of this like acceptance of death in order to experience life and sort of this resignation, um, to that, you know, I think is, is very fascinating and some people may not, and this is, you know, some people are going to interpret it different or whatever. Um, but I think that is sort of the rhythm of like, if you look at life, if you look at like history, there's these large explosions and then there's these you know, of life, but they're preceded by, you know, death, the great, the bubonic plague yeah, I was just is followed by the Renaissance. And I've said this before, you know, for yeah. sure in this podcast, but like, but you also have like in like biology, like you have the, the dinosaurs are wiped out a couple times. And after each time there's like this huge, one of them is called the Cambrian explosion. Yeah. There's this huge burst of evolution where they have scientists really don't know how or why all of a sudden there's this huge immersion of species all of a sudden in the in like the span and they all die and they all come back again so like most things that have ever been alive are dead 90 percent of everything that's been alive has been dead so clearly and i think that that they'll probably keep happening yeah so so it's like life life seems to be unfolding before like you said earlier you know i think um so i think a lot of like when we talk about like death and stuff i think it won't we won't, we won't know because we won't be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it, if it's going to be anything, like we may become something. Like we, we don't really know though. But like yeah. it, we won't, we won't be pained by it because we won't be there. Maybe my my ass will be in the next the new Smithsonian. They're like, this was called a girl, just <laughs> 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 a little girl doing her own thing, and I'm just like, do you know the Lucy statue? Like, yeah. That's me, but like in my scrubs, <laughs> like trying yeah. my best. This is how. The tools of the machine that was capitalism had these things called hospitals to keep people just sick enough that they could keep living. (laughs) And these were the worker bees. They were really, it was, yeah, like someone today, was it, oh no, it was my, one of my friends, um, we went on a hike this morning, like we're about to graduate nursing school and he asked me if, um. I felt guilty about working in a system that was like inherently corrupt. And I was like, well, I'm not doing the corrupt part. And he was like, yeah, that's true. That's true. So I'm just there. You can't be too cynical. I mean, like, I know. I think he was was like 90% joking, but there is some truth to that because we see, I witness how our American healthcare system just destroys people and families and over and over and over again. But, um, I do think back, sorry, we're kind of flip flopping all over the place, but, um, we can go back. What you said earlier, you said something very briefly about how like weird we are around death, and I agree. I think mm. especially like in modern times, yeah. and especially in America, we're so weird with death. Like I think Western culture is just weird about yeah. death yeah. because like back a, like a long time ago, people used to like be around the dead body for a few days. Oh yeah, they had it on the kitchen counter. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, like some people do that today where yeah. they like have a mummification process for a body and then they like, like still like, you know, like do a celebration of their life every once a year around their like day they died. Um, and then they decide, okay, this is, um, I think this is their last time that we're going to do this. Like three or four or five years later after the person's been dead. Yeah. They're like, okay, we're going to bury the person. Mm-hmm. I think we've all said what we needed to do. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of beautiful. It's beautiful when people embrace it. And it's really, really sad when people. They're just so hush hush about it. So and, like, hush-hush. you know. Yeah. There was my, a, f- so- a rapper's family brought a, his dead body to a club the other night in Florida. Really? Oh, they brought a yeah, dead rapper's recently, body. Yeah. It happened like the other day, like last week. Like, that's they, crazy. his family brought, like, they like, so everyone showed up for this party and they didn't realize his dead body was going to be this. So they all kind of freaked out. So, when my <laughs> grandmother died, my mom did 
her, like helped the mortuary like do mm-hmm. her makeup mm-hmm. for because my grandmother had an open casket funeral mm-hmm. and my mom sat and like did my grandma's makeup and oh, that's it sweet. was like really powerful for yeah. her yeah wow and i didn't want to see my grandma because i think it would really freak me out yeah and it did a little bit but my mom like really she was like you need to go look at her yeah and i'm glad that i did because i think it helped connect yeah that to being like okay she's actually like gone Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, we need to, I guess, maybe normalize that a bit or not be so 100%. weird with death. Because everyone I know is, like, afraid to die. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, either convinced that they won't or, I mean, I know we're really young, but, like, mm-hmm. you, have, I could get in the car right now and get yeah. on my way home. Yeah. And, you know, that could be the end of it. Yeah. And, um, and that's okay. And it's scary, but, like. I do think that we're just very weird and like de- death shouldn't be a taboo thing because we literally are all going to do it. <laughs> we're all, uh, yeah, we're well, all doing well, there are individuals yeah. that are convinced death is a disease and that we can yeah. cure it or oh, that wow. we can escape it somehow. It's a crazy idea. If we can find a way to repair our cells at a genetic level, the telomeres, mm-hmm. essentially, you know, there's like, like things like fasting, Never go in the sun, th- intermittent fasting, uh, actually helps repair telomeres, and it like in like lab settings with like wor- certain like science of like really small worms, like almost microscopic, and like mice, they've been able to like double lifespans of these. No, these small animals are small; they don't live for that long, anyways. So, a hundred percent increase of their life is, you know, just not that compared to a human. Right. Like, compared to a human, it's not that wild. But it, to be able to do it with these small creatures, I mean, like it, it does scale. Um, to some degree, now we're larger, so it's not going to be as significant. But you know, like there's also like these hyperbolic chambers that they're making. Yeah. That like in like Israel, they like actually like they they, they can take your like your biological age, you know, like mm-hmm. versus like your actual age, and they're making these people biologically younger, like literally. And so, but that all that to be said, that's kind of a side science tangent. But um, I think repression of death. This is a great book. Um, this guy uh, Karl of Nosgard. Um, this uh, is he. Uh, what's it called? Is he Swedish? I think he's Swedish. He's either from Norway or Sweden. I'm sorry. Um, but he wrote this book after his dad dies. A novelist wrote a book after his dad died. Excuse me. More burpees. The soy dogs are coming up. <laughs> it's a real holy episode. You know, it's like you talk about soy death dog. and talk about soy dog burps. Um, it's yeah. beautiful. That's Beauty. Soy dog burps and death. <laughs> Soy dog burps of death. Our new band name. Wow, guys. Yeah, we Organic. have a lot of good band names. Karloff Noskar writes his book, six-volume uh, collection after his father passes away, and he opens up with this idea of how we... How, what we do with bodies and how we take them away and we shove them away. We put old people in old folks' homes and we are, you know, it's very like sterile and it's very clean and we don't want, yeah. we don't want it to be nasty and we don't want it to be gross and we want it to be just nasty. Uh, <laughs> nasty. nasty. But we, we have this like aversion to it and, mm-hmm. you know, and like, uh, I think you I think there's lots of literature on our culture, Western culture, modern culture, maybe even, um, as we, that we have, as we go away from having death in our lives, we've become more like, uh, like sociopathic in wars. So like all of history, less people die in wars than should have. Yeah. There's lots of ways you can decide that. There's a great book called On Killing. There's other literature on this That's idea. That's really interesting. I've never heard of that. Civil War is a great one. There basically there's like on the Civil War, the field of the Civil War, there are, um, loaded guns everywhere. So basically, we have people loading guns and handing them off, loading guns and handing them off. Mm-hmm. They don't want to shoot. And they know that they're better shots than they were based off the range and everything. They did train. This is the first time they implemented like uh, military training in the sand in this way. It's highly documented. Yeah. Um, this is where exercise comes out of the Civil War, actually, too. But it's highly documented. And so basically, they were super good at, they were actually pretty trained. They're actually more accurate than they were shooting. They would shoot over each other routinely. Battles would last so long because they were just missing each other almost inten- seemingly. Yeah. The, the yeah. idea is it's seemingly intentionally. And we don't really know, I guess, for sure. World War II, the amount of bullets fired and this is the same for civil war because this is all documented we know how much ammunition went over the amount of bullets fired versus how many people died is like crazy off so there's all these like interesting indications that people were not wanting and desire killing because if you think about uh you know civil war time when i was at home so let's say it's peacetime 
I went to go kill, I, if I want food, I went to either a butcher shop and I knew where that was coming from or I killed my own animal. Yeah. Italy, same way. You know, there's people killing pigs and it's wherever you to make spe- special Italian sausage. You know, there's all these cultural phenomena with killing and having it a part of like your culture that's been removed from modern America. And he, this, the book actually opens up. So it's about kind of repression of death and how it's like, and we changed in Vietnam. We made people like killers because we basically introduced like psychological yeah. sort of like measures, kind of that kind of guerrilla mindset and, and sort of dehumanizing the propaganda yeah. has always been, they've had to always use propaganda to convince people to go murder other people. Yeah. Um, but as we become, well, I know in Vietnam, yeah, those boys had no idea where they were going or what they were going to be doing. One of my, uh, my my Spanish professor, he told us he was like I was eighteen years old. I just turned eighteen, hot, hot. and I got shipped over there. And I no one told me why I was going over there or what I was going to be doing. Yeah. I just was told, "Hey, be here, be here. Don't be there. Come here." And then immediately he was like, "It was horrible." You yeah. Know? Like. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think so. I mean, war. I think war for a long time. So either you believed in your king or your god or whatever. But then, as we've things become modern and like people want lives, you have to. It takes. It's harder. More the better life gets, the harder it is to convince people to go to war for you. Yeah. And so, um, so they had to. Con- they had to figure out ways to convince people to go to war in the modern world. And so it becomes more sadistic. Anyways, people die. Obviously, lots of people die throughout history. I'm not saying like people aren't evil. Like, like people are like, well, no, lots of people die. People murder all the time. Totally true, but um, uh, you got me. Uh, but no, but it's fascinating. It's fascinating, sort of like the the human human aversion of death. And the book Denial of Death. Like uh, there's like lots of psychological research and or thinking and thoughts um, that believe that our whole journey is a re- is our dealing with our own death. I know I've talked about this on, our, on the podcast, but which I'm glad we're talking about it. This has been really great <laughs> um, and super enlightening. I love hearing y'all's thoughts. I mean, I think. Um, to change the last thing we'll talk about, just to segue because we've been talking about so much. I want to say, remember that me and Vivian went to Marfa for our anniversary trip, yeah. and we were sitting there. We're talking about reference to the good place. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the end of the mo- the end of that show, and like so they so they when they're in the heaven, so they and they're in the good place, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. They don't say heaven. Um, they invent basically like a door of like doom, like of. The basically the the, abyss. the the one of the angel demon characters makes creates fabricates yeah you know this sort of you know this like we don't really know what's gonna happen you walk mm-hmm. through that we don't know where you go um, and so and so these all of the people in the show slowly one by one it's like the last episode come to grips and decide to walk through. The doorway. They've they're done. They've get they've sort of after living millions. After li- yeah, it's like they've yeah they've, they like the indications that they've lived yeah. so much time and and they've done everything they wanted to do. And I think they and they all decided you know to kind of go through. And Vivian and I were talking in Marfa and you know, under the starlight next to fires and was like, you know, why does that make you cry? Why do we why do we cry at the end of the good place? You know, why is that moment of because mm-hmm. you like there's like these really emotional moments of like friends leaving and. And like the, you know, like the, it's and it's, you know, it's one of those. Why is it sad when life is out? What when the candles go out? Why is that? Why is there this like mourning, and also like a sweetness because like there's this beauty to it. It's really, right, yeah. uh, romantic, cosmically uh, beautiful. Like there's like this relief. This I guess either life's so terrible, you know, or like accepting death it's 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 a lot to, to take in you know yeah. it, it really is and, and it makes you kind of weep well i hope that my i guess my only hope and like the meaning of my life and the purpose of my life is that at the end it is bittersweet because i feel happy and blessed that i was like able to live the life that i wanted with the people that i love doing the things that i enjoy and um like I'm like happy for that and like sad to have it end. Yeah, uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias is like this disgrace now disgraced after his death. Apparently, he was like a pervert. That always happens. Yeah, but he was a very influential thinker for me for a long time um, with Christian stuff when I was more when I was more in the church and like a man of the cloth and everything. <laughs> um, but he used to tell a story about. Um, 
I started thinking about his character and <laughs> the story he just told remind me ah Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde was like a playwright, screenwriter, very popular English figure and a very influential, written really great pieces and he's a great writer and a really interesting toy storyteller. He was also interested in having sex with little boys and men and stuff yeah. like that. And and he did what he wanted. <laughs> but from this perspective, this desire to do whatever you want and love, and on his deathbed, his lover, one of his like grown, lo- it was like it was like his, <laughs> his not a child, but like a, a, like his like I think it was like a sort of his partner, an adult partner. Yes, um, queen above eighteen. <laughs> Vivian, inappropriate. Just joking. <laughs> Not the time. I'm just joking. Sorry. You gotta cut it out. <laughs> you look good though, babe. Um, Thanks, babe. Uh, he, a- he asks him, he says, Do you did you have sex with those boys for their sake or for your own? And I'm not sure if this is true, but Robbie used to always go, I think we need a pastor or like a priest. Like, I think we need I think Robbie I need to see Oscar? Oscar Wilde. And this was this Robbie's telling of the story, oh, you know, this evangelist apologetic guy. So it could have been just good storytelling, mm-hmm. but I was always moved by like this idea of like his whole life was about pleasure, seeking pleasure, living the most, saying beautiful things, articulating wonderful things at the end of the day. Is it for you? Is that, you know, is, is it, f- is, 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 is a good, is a good life? the best life about oneself or is it about like the outside? Like, is it about the experience of others of yourself, you experiencing those people? So you're involved. You can't remove yourself from the equation. So trying to become like a monk and like removing yourself from the equation seems to be wrong or becoming over moralistic. And like, you have to eat these foods and, can't wear these clothes and you can't look like a slut. You can't do these things. Like, you know, they're like, you, you know, well, I'm, not, I'm just saying like, I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm thinking like Puritan culture or like yeah. any sort of restrictive thing that, yeah. that seems to be overzealous, but there does seem to be like a nature of like, like there seems to be like this line of like, I shouldn't become a all consuming force, a world eater, if you will. I shouldn't be a devourer of worlds for the sake of my own appetite. But it's like, when should I check my appetite? You know, when do I seek restraint? You know, like when, when is what I want not a good thing? You know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I feel like there's not enough time in the world for me to be a world eater, except to, you know, go to work and make money so I can feed myself and bathe myself and keep my, you know, shelter clean. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that. A lot of life is selfish, and I think that like life needs to be selfish in some ways, because if I don't take good care of myself, then how could I ever be a good partner or a good friend to others? Um, it's like what they say when you're on the airplane, you put the oxygen mask on your face before you help your kid, because if you're passed out, your kid's not going to have anyone there to help you, help him or her. Um, so They. Or they. Dear God, do, please on. keep that in. Don't cut that out. <laughs> keep it in, cut it out. Keep it in, cut it out. <laughs> We're fine. Yeah, so I don't know. I feel like, uh, like you know, your life should be about like you and other people in your life. It can't just be all you because that sounds like a very miserable experience. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that's what you were saying. Yeah. But it's like that's where my mind starts to go is like what is existence? Is it is it about me? Is it is my existence about me or is it about other things? And I think I can want it to be about me. I think people try and people like when you go and you drive on the highway, it becomes very evident that people do not care about anyone else, you know, other themselves. They're like trying to win. It's like Mad Max Fury Road out here every day. Dude, for real. It's great. People's bumpers are falling off and they're yeah. already, there's they're some like, guy driving like the middle of the lane. The front, like playing the guitar. Some soccer mom's van. Coming out, you know. Have you ever seen Mad Max? Bro, you haven't seen Mad Max? No. Dude, you right. watch Mad Max. We're going to watch Mad Max. Okay. All right. Talk All right. to you guys uh, later. <laughs> I'm serious. We're going to get off. I think it was a good segue to the yeah. end. Yeah. They're going to watch Mad Max. I'm going to go home and take a shower because I stinky. Stinky. They can smell you at home. Yeah. Thank you for being here, and we love you. Vivian, last thoughts? that you, Any words for the people out there? 
You had to take care of the baby for a little bit. Thank you for I being did. a great mother. You're well, a wonderful I mean, human. Being a parent has definitely changed my life forever, but honestly, living for others is the only way I can continue to live. So let that be your closing thought. Does it give you a reason? It does. It gives you meaning, meaning. purpose. Mm-hmm. Meaning and purpose. Does your baby give you meaning and purpose? Mm-hmm. Do but we you know, give our baby meaning and purpose? But you know, yeah. I think yeah. if we weren't around, what would that baby do for itself? Saying saying it's not adopted, he, saying it's he'd just learn France. He'd learn French and become a poet, you know, and Oxford. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he'd like sort of like that's I can't. He, you know, maybe he'd get like a job, like a tech. In like IT yeah. department. I'm just kidding. Maybe he's always wanted to work at a Metro Boss PCS. Baby. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but No, it's fine, it happens. Anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> Hey, can I we talk live to you for a second? For others. <laughs> we live for others. Mad Max. This podcast is brought to you by Mad Max Fury Road. In theaters and, a few and years Clovis ago. Ville de France twenty twenty. Ah, yes. Drink natural wine. Mm-hmm. Um okay. Stomach, it hurts.